Hello, everybody. Welcome to Late Night Football. Welcome to sort of analysis show. Again, we're doing these sort of season-ending reviews. We've done that for Real Madrid. We did it for uh, sort of for City, Barcelona. So we're doing one now for Manchester United. And um, I mean, sort of the dust has settled a little bit on, on the FA Cup final. So it's time to breathe, time to take stock of what's happened. And what I will say, though, and, and I, you know what? I'd done a video for the match reaction. I'd done it. I'd done everything ready, but I just didn't feel like putting it up. I was so upset, so sad. And I was feeling a bit ill as well. So like, I'm just going to leave it. It didn't, wasn't one of my best efforts so I left it so it wasn't that I didn't want to do it or that I was upset or anything I had done it um or a bit or other I wasn't better I, I could have I had done it, it was ready and then it just you know this wasn't right didn't feel right to do it and so I left it but this is something that I've been talked thought about you know like yeah you know, what's next for United what's going to happen and I think before we go to what's next got to talk about what's happened and what I thought about the FA Cup final there were two things that stood out for me number one I think was the fact that Eric Ten Hag for me at least I thought Ten Hag got his tactics spot on um, you know, he, he, you know, he, he, he I, I was, I actually thought he would play a four-two-three-one. You know, when I saw, when I saw that starting lineup, I thought Bruno's going to play on on the left, uh, on the right, and he's going to play four-two-three-one. He's going to get overrun. But actually, he played, a, he played as close to a three-six-one as Manchester United could have played to counter Manchester City's three-six-one, and that was because Bruno kept coming inside to the right hand side. He wasn't playing as a right winger. He was almost playing as a, you know, as a RAM sort of thing. Like he was always coming inside and then Aaron Van der Saka was overlapping. So they almost tried to match City's uh, six midfielders. So that was something. The difference was that Manchester City had better players and more big game players, which Manchester United didn't have. They don't have big game players. Manchester City have got big game players like John Stones, Rodri, Gundogan, De Bruyne. I mean, these are the guys that when you want them, they will step up. Not, not you know, De Bruyne didn't have his best game, but he got an assist, right? Um, I don't think, you know, Rodri, you know, didn't have much to do, but then towards the end, he made a big block, which could have otherwise become 2-2. So these are the things that matter. These are the moments that matter. And, and ultimately, United didn't have players like that. I mean, you know, far too often, Bruno Fernandes has gone missing in big games. Far too often, Marcus Rashford has gone missing in big games. Jalen Sancho is just, I mean, I wouldn't even call him a player at the moment. He's not, not forget being a big game player. He's not even, he's, he's absent most games. Um, neither I think Eriksson also disappeared. Uh, I think don't, don't think Shaw was that good either. So you know sometimes in moments like these, and I, you need big game players, and I don't think Manchester United had enough of them. And I mean David De Gea, you know, is a big big problem for David De Gea. I don't think I I, I think David De Gea, and this is something to talk about it because we'll we'll come to this as well as, as an issue. But David De Gea for me, the problem with David De Gea is that I don't think I think he's now starting to freeze in big games. I, I think all of the bad games that he's had in, in knockout games and knockout competitions, I think has got to him psychologically where he tries to overcompensate. And you see that. You see that he's, he's nervous. He's, he's a little bit, you know, trepidatious about making a mistake. And because of that, he ends up making more mistakes because he's, you know, he's not trying to play his natural game. He's trying to overthink things. He's trying to overcomplicate things. And it doesn't work. It's not going to work. So for me, that's the issue. Those are the key issues. The key issues were personnel rather than tactics. I thought Ten Hag got his tactics spot on. For this game, the, the issue was his personnel. And, and and speaking all of that, was this season a success? I don't think this FA Cup final for me was as disappointing. When I look back at the season, I think the FA Cup, you know, is not that disappointing when you think about it. Because Manchester City and Manchester City was always going to be a tall order to beat them. You know, I got a little bit lucky that Southampton beat Manchester City, so they didn't have to beat them. But you always felt that, you know, in the final between United City, City were going to win. You always felt like that. The big disappointment was the Europa League. Because being 2-0 up and then losing 5-2 to Sevilla... Especially, you know, coming up those 20 minutes at, at Old Trafford where they completely lost the plot. That is, is what hurts more. Because had they beaten Sevilla, I don't think Juventus or Roma would have posed much challenges for United to win the title. To win the Europa League. I, I think that's... And that's the sad part. It's the fact that they are probably could have won the Europa League had they just gotten past Sevilla. And they, they, they were there. They had one foot in. 
and then they just you know let it go completely and lost that game. So these are things that that you know Ten Hag will have to look at. But I think overall taking what is probably the worst Manchester United squad of all time in the Premier League era at least. Um, you know finishing they finished six by default. They should have finished seven, but they managed to somehow scrape to six because West Ham bottled it. Um, and then to take them to third to to you know pretty much get you know win them a trophy. I think it's a phenomenal achievement. I thought United were going to finish eighth actually and after the first first two games i thought have i have i over predicted it have i thought they were going to finish higher than they are are they even going to finish in the top half of the table chelsea you know imploded but manchester united you know didn't and they managed to recover from that and finish third so for me this season is a, is a massive success um is it good enough in the long term probably not but a lot of that will now depend on what comes next and we'll talk about that but i think overall tintanag is in a fantastic job and that brings me to the question of what comes next. Now, the number one thing is going to be who's going to be the owner of Manchester United. Is, are the Glazers still going to be in charge? Is it going to be Sir Jim Ratcliffe with the Glazers around? Is it going to be Qatar? As you will notice on this channel, I have not spoken about that at all because I don't want to talk about it because every day there's so many rumors, there's so many, you know, and, and I knew this was going to take time. I knew the time when it started. So this is not, you know, in my mind, it was like, this is not going to end soon. So I don't want to do, do videos talking, you know, oh, this is happening, oh, this is happening, oh, this is not happening. It's a roller coaster and I don't want to go through that. So I'm like, when it happens, we'll talk about it. And whoever the owner is, we'll talk about what they need to do and what they will be like. But I think there's no point in speculating on who's going to be owner. The key question is who's going to be the owner, but I don't think we want to speculate. But who the owner is, is going to determine a lot of things in the summer, like what the budget is going to be, what the future outlook will be for United. Because more than what money can be spent, I think it's important for the next owners to hire right people in the right positions. I don't think that's something that the Glazers have failed. A lot of people who talk about, well, they've spent money, so they're good owners. They don't, they don't get the point that the people who, spend, who they're put in charge of spending that money don't know how to spend that money. And um, they've not built the infrastructure. The infrastructure is completely lacking. Like, why is it the scouting is so bad? Why is it that, um, you know, Brighton can find Enciso and Buonanote and, and Caicedo and, and Manchester City can get Julian Alvarez? And, um, you know, uh, but, you know, Barcelona have got this whole wonderful youth academy that, that's bringing through players. Why is it that these big clubs are bringing through these players? Whereas Manchester United are, uh, you know, not able to do that. Why are we not able to find these players? Why, why, are we, why are we lagging behind in terms of being able to identify these players? Chelsea, by the way, have got a bunch of under-20s that probably won't even play for the first team, but they've still got a bunch of talented youngsters that could very well, you know, be, you know, something in the future. But we're not able to, you know, look at the Youth Academy and there's nobody for Manchester United who's ready to make that step up aside from Garnacho. Garnacho was there. Uh, beyond that, yeah, I mean, you know, people talk about Menu, they'll talk about, you know, but it doesn't mean he's going to make it. I mean, the people talk about Hannibal last year. Now he's going to probably leave at the end of the season. So there's a lot that needs to be done behind the scenes. There's not a, a lot which needs to be improved and that's where the Glazers have failed. But I don't want to go into Glazers' rant, but this is just something I'm saying that if the new owners come in, Depends on what direction they wish to take. Is it going to be, well, we're going to look at that as a brand and we'll keep buying these big name players who are not really going to contribute much, but will get us, you know, social media engagement, will get us players, uh, you know, merchandise sales. Or are we going to build a structure where we don't have to spend, overpay and overspend on players and we can actually find players that can replace other players at cheap, uh, you know, inexpensive costs. So that's that's going to be the first thing. That will also determine budgets because if you know if you get proper owners, if you get Qatar in, probably there'll be more money to spend. If you get Sergeant Ratcliffe, probably there'll be less money that will be remaining to be spent. But the the key point here, I think that I, that I need to make is for me, there's a few key areas that need to be addressed. And if those areas, the only way that I will say, that I, I'm not going to look at the amounts that are going to be spent. So I'm going to say it right here. It doesn't matter how much United spend. They could spend 100 million pounds. They could spend 150 million pounds. They could spend 200, 300, 400, whatever. The key, the key thing is that they've got to address the positions that need to be addressed. So there's this few positions. I think they need a striker, uh, maybe even two actually, but they need at least one striker. Um, they need and they need two midfielders, a box-to-box -box midfielder and a replacement for, uh, or a backup for Casemiro, not a replacement, but a backup for Casemiro. So they need two players, two midfielders, 
They need so they need one. Uh, they, so basically, they need a, a striker, a CDM, a box-to-box -box midfielder. They need a center back because again, you you don't want to be relying on Maguire to come in and play. So you need a center back, and then you probably look you're looking at a second striker, another one because I don't think Martial cuts it. So they need to get rid of him, and they need to get a second striker, and then they need to get a goalkeeper. I think either a backup goalkeeper, first choice goalkeeper, they need six players. So they need six players. If they get six players, doesn't matter whether they spend, and of course, six good players, not just like six, you know, um, six nobodies from signed from the championship. They need six good players. But you get six good players, whether they do that for 100 million, they do that for 150. I think it could be done for 150 to 200. If you've got good, smart negotiators, you can do it for 150 to 200 million, actually. Doesn't matter. Spend 300, 400, whatever. You've got to get six players in. You get six players in, I'll say, well done. You've backed the manager. If they get three players or four players and they spend 200 million pounds to get those three, four players, that is not backing the manager. That's simply blowing money because you know you want to blow money and you want to you want to you know show off in front of other people. So for me, that's the important thing is getting the six players that these six players that are needed. Um, and, and that brings me to the point of what and, and that brings me to the point of um, you know what the players have been targeting. For me, Mason Mount is an underwhelming signing. I don't think I, I think they're going to pay sixty million pounds for him. For me, that's that's a, I, I put this in a video as well. I don't think United should be going for Mason Mount sixty million pounds. 50 million pounds is too much as well. I think 30 should have been the price tag. You pay 30 and then you move on if he doesn't come for 30. You go with Mount has got to move as well because Mount apparently wants to leave Chelsea. So let him push for the move and say, I'm going to leave this club and you can either take this money now or I'm going to not going to play for you. Like he's got to do something if he wants to because but that's how United have got to play hardball. 30 million, maybe 40 with add-ons. You pay 40 and you include some add-ons. I can I can live with that. But 50 is too much. 50 is overpaying. 60 is just ridiculous. If they're going to pay 60, they've been fleeced by Chelsea. Let me just put that out. They've been fleeced. So, so they're going to sign Mason Mount. That's that's going to be requiring at least about that's that's going to probably, but they are probably going to overpay. I know they're going to pay sixty for him because that's how the club operates. They're going to pay sixty for him, and they're going to build him up as this big signing. And we'll talk about Mason Mount when he signs. You know, apparently that that deal is more or less done, and he's going to join Manchester United. So when that deal is done, when I know what the price tag is, we'll we'll talk about it at that point. But for now, I think Mason Mount for for sixty is, is a bad deal. Mason Mount for thirty is a good deal. Um, they, they're probably looking at uh, uh, the CDM is, is an interesting one because I've not heard any names. I mean, Romo Lavia is available. They could sign him for 40 million, really. Uh, 40, 45 million, they could get him, but they're not really moving in for him. For whatever reason, Liverpool seem to be interested in him. They probably will sign him if they want him. I, I've not heard anything about a CDM and that's what's worrying me. That there's, there's lots of CDM options out there um, if they, they bother to look and if they, if they research, but just no, there's just nothing, no news. On, on 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 anybody and I think Romeo Lavia would be perfect but I don't know what's happening there but they need that person there's another option for box to box as well as Gabri Vega he has a 40 million euro release clause 40 million euros by the way not pounds um so sorry we're 35 million pounds he's, he's got that release clause yes it's going to be tough because there are lots of clubs interested in him but make a play for him try for him you know you know this is where United always flop is United don't like to get into these kind of uh, you know uh, negotiations for players who have other interests because they know they'll lose and they don't want to and they want to save face it's always about trying to save face um, for Manchester United. So uh, it's surprising that they're, they're not making a move for Gabri Vega. I mean, I would probably even try for Pedri. Apparently, he's out of contract. I know he'll probably get a new contract Barcelona, but just make a bid. You know, just try it. Try for it. You know, try and see if, you know, unsettle the player a little bit, see if it works. No, I, 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 I would do that if I was like, yeah, you know, you know what? You, you, you don't know if you're getting a new contract at, Manchester, uh, at Barcelona. Try and come to Manchester United. It might not work, but make a play. You know, sometimes you just got to try. But anyway, um, but, but that's, CDM is going to be important. Um, the striker, I think Harry Kane, I don't think is going to happen, especially if, and I will talk about Harry Kane to Real Madrid, but I think Real Madrid is a better option for Harry Kane. I don't think 
the problem with signing Harry Kane is I think Spurs are going to hold out for 100 million pounds for Manchester United. If Manchester United come in, it's going to be 100 pounds and Kane is not worth 100 million pounds. A player who's about to turn 30 in the last year of his contract, you do not pay 100 million pounds for that player. So for me, if the price tag is 100 million pounds, they've got to say, no, thank you. Screw you. We're moving on. And I, I think that I think United have got to do that. But again, there will be an obsession from some people like Kane. Oh yeah, he's English. He's marketable. You know, we can get lots of search sales out of him. So let's sign him for 100 million pounds. That does not work. You don't want to do that. So either you sign him for 50, I think 50 million pounds is reasonable. Maybe a little bit more with add-ons, but I think 50 million pounds is reasonable. If they don't agree, accept, move on, try for Randall, Kolo, Muani. You know, the, the player who's been mentioned is is, is Vasimus Hoylun. I think he's a fantastic player. I think the, the price tag is about 52 million pounds, 60 million euros. I think that's fine. I think that's okay because I think, again, it's a bit more, but you're paying for potential. I think it's okay to pay that much for a player of, 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 of you know, to play 50, 50 million pounds for someone who's got that potential ability to improve and get better. I think that's okay. Um, I would probably try for 40, but again, you know, I think for strikers, we're going to have to overpay for a striker because clubs know we're desperate for strikers. I don't think the midfield situation is that bad, but I think the striker situation is, is des definitely desperate. So I think clubs know that and they're going to take advantage of that. So I, I can understand that part of it. I think 50 million for Hoyland is it's just about okay. I, you know, I, I could live with it, um, but they've got to be again firm. 50 million, fine. Let's get the deal done. Do it fast, do it quick. You know, um, I think Hoyland is someone. Kolo Mwani would be a good second striking option as, as you know, either as a first or the second striker. Um, as in that, you know, you get you you, you are, as in not not in terms of um position or not in terms of prior or in terms of who's going to be the number one who's going to be number two, but I think in terms of um priority, I think the first priority should be Hoyland, the second priority should be Kolomwani, and the only reason that Kolomwani is second for me is because I think he's interested in going to PSG or Bayern rather than Manchester United. So don't want to be spending too much time on that. I think first you sign Hoyland and then you look to sign him if he's available. But Kolomwani would be a good option as well. Ramos for me is overpriced at fifty because I don't think he's that good of a striker. I think a lot of his stats are skewed and and probably. Um, I think there's a lot of hype around him from, from the from the World Cup, but I think since then he hasn't really done anything. So I don't think he's worth that price. Um, but again, an option that they could look at if the price was right. I think that could be an option as well. Um, and then again, you're looking at other strikers. I don't know who else is out there available at the moment in terms of uh, you know, proven strikers. Vlahovic, maybe. Um, I've seen a bit of him. I think he sometimes flatters to deceive. Again, I don't think he has a mentality to succeed. Maybe he's an okay player, but I don't know if he has a mentality to succeed at Manchester United. So for me, I'd, I would stay away from from Blahovic and and I'm trying struggling to think of who else is is out there that that that's available in strikers. But they've got to try to look at that. Um, and I think in terms of goalkeepers, which is in uh, defenders, I think Kim Min Jae has been told that he's probably going to come to Manchester United. I hope he does. Uh, but they've got to get that deal, deal done like really quickly. Again, just got to agree personal terms. Tell Atlanta that they uh, Napoli rather that they're going to pay this release clause as it activates. Do it, get it done right away. Just just complete that deal, you know, because this is a release clause. A lot of clubs can activate it. A lot of clubs can have contractual agreements. So get the agreement signed with with uh, Kim and Jay. Get that done. Um, would be a good signing. Kim and Jay would be a good signing. The stock of Timber as well. I think Timber only should be signed if Lindelof is leaving. Otherwise, there's no point in signing Timber because you can't play him at right back because you already got Van der Sar and Dalo and other of them are leaving. Um, so there's no point in signing Timber unless you're selling uh, Victor Lindelof, which might happen. But yes, if Lindelof is sold, then his Timber should be bought. Um, and hopefully the price will kind of adjust itself. But yeah, I don't think that's a priority. I don't think a fourth centre-back is a priority. Um, the top, the three centre-back, third centre-back is a priority. Because um, Varane can't play every game. And, um, you know, he is injury prone and he is getting old. So you bring in a player who can replace him. And again, you bring, build that competition. So then it's a competition for, for, for spots, which we need. Um, and then the goalkeeper situation. Now, this is a tricky one for me with David De Gea because for me, I don't think David De Gea is going to leave the club at the end of the season. A lot of people are saying, sell him, sell him. He's not going to get sold. It's not going to happen. His wages are insane. He's not a modern goalkeeper. So no big club is going to want him. 
His pages are too much for a mid-table or a, or a lower-table club. Will he even want to go there is another question. He might not want to, he might want to stay at Manchester United, you know, for another year or two. So I don't think he's going to leave the club at the end of the, uh, you know, in the summer. I don't think that's going to happen because he's getting giving a new contract. So I don't think that's going to happen. So I think with, with, for people who are thinking Diogo Costa or somebody like that, that's not going to happen. Diogo Costa is not going to come unless we have an unlimited budget of 300. Because once you start looking at um, at the price, are you talking about maybe 50 million for Holland? 50 million for, for Mount, sadly, that's 60 million. Uh, probably another 40 million for Kim and Jay. So that's about 60, uh, about, you know, so that's about 140 million that you've looked at. Uh, and then you're probably looking at um, another midfielder, probably, and I'll put it conservatively another 40, so it's another 180 million. Uh, and then you probably get, do you want to get a second striker? That's probably going to be about 200, 250 million. I don't even think that, they, I think the, the budget would be between 150 to 200, only more than 200. So even a second striker seems unlikely. But even if you get a second striker and you get it to about 230 to 40, is there money to then sign a, a goalkeeper who's probably going to cost you 60, 70 million pounds? I don't think there's that much money. Unless Qatar are buying Manchester United, there's not that much money. They're not going to spend 300 million pounds this summer. So I don't think they're going to get a top goalkeeper. What they could look at though is look at a backup goalkeeper. I think someone like Bono, uh, somebody man. I'll give a shout out to Ayush. Ayush actually mentioned Bono, and I thought, you know, and at first I thought, you know what? It's interesting. Bono would be an interesting signing because uh, I was thinking, who's a goalkeeper? Who's a who's a backup goalkeeper that you could get? Um, who could actually, you know, challenge the hair, right? You don't just want a backup goalkeeper who's going to be an absolute number two, but you want somebody who could actually be number one. And I thought Bono is interesting because I don't think he's going to cost a lot. Um, and you know he's a proven winner. He's won titles. He's someone who's probably would be an upgrade. And, yeah, yeah, you could probably sign him if you could get Bono for 30, 20, 30 million pounds. It's a deal worth doing. I think it's a deal worth doing for for Bono. He's old. He's, he's thirty two. So the thirty two is not that old for goalkeepers. He probably still play for four or five years at least. And um, you know even if you can play only for two three years as a stop guy, you get him. You play him for a couple of three years, and then you get your number one later. But yeah, I think Bono would be an interesting one. Um, there's also another couple of goalkeepers that have been mentioned. You know from other clubs like outside of the big five leagues. So uh, I've not seen much of them. So I don't know. I can't talk much about that, but we'll see who they sign. They will sign a second goalkeeper. Uh, I, do, I just don't think it will be the, the kind of goalkeeper that any fans expect. It's not going to be a Diego Costa. That's not going to happen. So, um, but if it does, I'll be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. But if you sign Diego Costa, then does that mean they're not going to sign a Casemiro backup? Does that mean they're not going to sign a second striker? Right? Those are things that, that will also impact. And that's where the issue is, is that the money is so limited that if you sign the more you sign players and the more you overspend, the less you have to spend on other positions. So I'll be interested to see that. In terms of outgoings, I think this is going to be key as well, outgoings. And, and, and I'll make some controversial statements here. Number one, I think Martial's got to go. I don't think that's controversial. Martial's got to go. I was okay with him being a second striker up until probably uh, April, March, April. I was like, maybe, okay, he can be a second striker. But I don't think he can be a second striker because he never fit. And you can't have a second striker who's never fit because what's the point of having of having having him even on the bench? He's probably going to get injured just you know warming up or just coming onto the field as a sub. He's just going to get injured. You can't keep him. I think he's got to be sold or loaned out. I don't think he'll be sold because I don't think anybody wants him. Uh, but I think you've got to loan him out. You've got to tell him just go right. Just get him out of the squad. Let him go somewhere else. Um, Hopefully he'll earn a move. Maybe I don't think United are going to get a transfer fee for him, even if they sell him next season. But hopefully they'll at least get like a loan deal and maybe eventually a free transfer. Somebody will be willing to pay his wages. At the very least, somebody where you know you get a fee that can subsidize his wages. Um, but ultimately, I think Martial's got to go. Um, Harry Maguire's got to go as well. Um, and I think he knows that. I think he knows that because he's got to play in the World Cup. Uh, uh, sorry, not the World Cup. The Euro. The, uh, yeah, the Euros. The Euros, not the World Cup. The Euros. Um, in a year's time. And I don't think Southgate's going to accept the fact that he's been a bench player for two years. So he's got to go. He's got to go and play somewhere. There's talk about him going to West Ham. There's talk of Declan Rice, by the way, actually from CDM. I should mention that Declan Rice, Declan Rice is going to be 100 million pounds. 
I mean, imagine that 100 million pounds for Declan Rice. Um, and he could be part of that swap deal. I don't think Declan Rice will come to Manchester United. I think he'll probably go to um, Arsenal or Bayern Munich. I think it just makes sense for him to go to one of those two clubs. I don't think there is a, I don't think there's an obvious spot for him at Manchester United, but maybe he will come. But I think 100 million pounds for Declan Rice is again just too much. If if the budget is only 200 million, you're spending 100 million pounds on, on Declan Rice, you're spending 50 million on Mount, you're spending 50 million on. Uh, on Hoylun and then you know and then where's the money for Kim and Jay and and the, you know and then probably you're, you're extending your budget to get Kim and Jay and then there's no money for anything else so I I don't think Declan Rice is happening but uh, there was talk that maybe they'll use that as a swap deal for Maguire I again Maguire I don't think he's going to be able to get a permanent move I think it'll be a loan move because who but again he's only got one year left on his contract somebody said 30 million 30 million is not going to come for Maguire for he's got a year left on his contract he's on money that no mid table he's on the top again no top club is going to be interested in him. He's on money that a mid-table club will not pay. So again, you're going to have to subsidize wages. Apparently, they're going to pay 10 million pounds to, to let him go, which is 10 million pounds, I thought, was just the fact that that's his salary, right? So you, you get rid of the wages. But I just don't see how any club is going to be interested in buying him, maybe loaning him again. So you're not getting much money out of there. Fred, I think, could leave. But again, it depends on if they get the players that they need. I think they'll keep Fred if, if they've got, um, if they haven't got any other options. But I, but I don't see, I, I can see him leaving. To Fulham, if they get a decent bid, I think you could sell him. But again, question is how much will Fulham be willing to pay for him? Um, Scott McTominay, I think, has got to go as well. Um, I, I, I just don't see a role for him for Scott McTominay. Donny van der Beek is, is a tricky one. I don't think anybody's going to buy him because just he's coming back from injury. And I don't know if he's going to go on loan. So he might stay for another season because of that injury. It might help him stay for a season. I still think there is a player there, not a starter, maybe a, a good bench option. Um, so maybe you keep him for a year, see if he can actually graduate and get some something out of it, out of him. But um, yeah, I, I just don't think he has a long term future. But in the short term, you could you you could keep him. Um, and, and then you get to um, uh, you know the goalkeeping situation. Like I said, the hair. Will anybody bid for him? No, he's not going to sell him. So you're going to have to loan him. And I don't think United can afford to loan him. So he's going to stay for a season. And then that brings me to a couple of interesting ones because there's the two controversial ones. The first one is Marcus Rashford. Uh, actually, no, the first one is Jaden Sancho. I think if somebody bid 40, 50 million for Jaden Sancho, I would sell him. I would I would totally sell him for 40 million, 50 million. I would sell him because I don't think, you know, again, you, the question is, what is his best position? His best position is as a left finger. And you've got Rashford there and you've got um, Garnacho there. Does he start ahead of either of them? No, he does not. So he's essentially a third choice left finger. Now, let's talk that if United don't sign a striker, maybe they'll use Rashford as a striker. There's also another he who must not be named player. In the wings, I'm not going to talk about it because you don't know what's going to happen. So we'll wait till see what happens there. But at the moment, I feel Rashford might might start the season as first choice striker. He might. I think he should because I don't think he's a left finger in a ten hack system. I don't think he is. Um. So I, I I think he should start as a striker. I don't think he can play there. But I think that probably is is going to be his future because he, I don't think he's a, he's a ten hack winger, quite frankly. Um. So so he might play as a striker. Then he becomes number two. But I still think Garnacho and Sa I think Garnacho will probably start a lot of games next season because he's just so much better than Jaden Sancho. But do you want to rely on that? I I think I do you want to rely on an eighteen year old to be starting so many games and to be like a number one player? I I don't think that's a good idea. So for me, I think Sancho has got to go. Um. If there's a good bid that comes, I think you can keep him. If there's no bid, I don't think he should be forced out. But I think if there's a 40, 50 million pound offer, I think they should take it and they should sell him. Um, and I don't know who's going to pay 40, 50 million pounds, to be honest. But maybe somebody might go loan with obligation. But um, I, I think if you get 40, 50 million, you should sell him. Uh, and, and then that means to Rashford. You know what? With Rashford, I will say this. I think if, if somebody, if PSG were to come in and say, we'll pay you 70, 80 million pounds, I would take it. I would sell him. And now this is a very controversial point that I'm making. And But I, I think I would sell him for 70, 80 million pounds. I would sell him. 
I was saying because I feel I think Rashford has hit his ceiling. I think this what he has achieved this season. I think that is the ceiling. I don't think he's ever going to go past this ceiling, uh, which is you know thirty goals a season. You know, he's, I don't think he's a thirty goals a season player. So he's got that there. I, I I don't think he will hit that again next season. Maybe he will hit that another one or two times in his career between now and the end of when he retires. Maybe I don't think he will, but maybe he will. But he's never going to be that consistent, you know, goal scoring winger. He's not. A, he's not very really prolific assister. He's not very creative. Um, you know, as a player, I think he's a very direct uh, sort of player. Um, so I, I feel like he's hit a ceiling at Manchester United. And I feel that if somebody paid 80 million, 70, 80 million, I would say, right, can I sell him? Can I get somebody else in? Can I get another left winger? The Rafa Leo would have been good, but he signed a new contract. So that's out of the question. You could probably get a good left winger for that price who could probably make more of an, be more of a 10 half player than uh, than Marcus Rashford is. I don't know. I can't think right now at the top of my head who who that player could be. But I think you could get a better player, get a better a better system player, a player who can fit Ten Hag's system for that price than Rashford because Rashford doesn't fit that system at the moment. He's trying and Ten Hag is trying to convert him into, into, a, into a sort of player that he wants him to be but I just don't think he has the attributes for that. So, controversial opinion but I think if you get 70 million pounds I'll probably sell him. I would. But again, I don't think that will happen. I don't think there's going to be a bid. I don't think Manchester United will accept it but I think they, they could probably, you know, it might be worth, if, if they could, I, I would do it. But anyway, it's, it's a moot point nonetheless. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I think I stand with Manchester United. I feel like I feel like most importantly, United need more big game players. They need players. I think you know they don't have a lot of those. Maybe Lisandro Martinez is one of them. Casemiro is one of them. Um, maybe Bruno can become one of those. Maybe um, you know as he plays more big games, I mean he'll develop that mentality. But at the moment, he's not. And maybe Anthony can become another big game player. But other than that, they're sorely lacking in players who've got that mentality of being able to play in big games. Varane as well. I think Varane obviously has that as well. So they need that. They need more of those type of scientists. You can't, you can't coach that. You can't coach big game mentality. You can't coach dealing with pressure. Those things, you know, you either have it or you don't. You can enhance it. If you have it and you can enhance it, with experience, you can enhance it and you, and you, you know, get, you know, and you start to learn that, 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 uh, you know, you get that experience and you start to hone it and, and craft it and make it better. You can't you can't coach it. You can't put it in someone who doesn't have it. You can't make someone you can't make someone a big game player. You can make them better at it, and you can make them you know it's like Gundogan. Gundogan was always a big game player, and he just enhanced it. The city's become this monster, but it wasn't like he you know Pep Guardiola kind of made him that. It wasn't that. So it's something that that that's either imbibed in you or not. So and I don't think most of the squad has that. So anyway, that's something to look at. Um, anyway, the long run, but um, that's where I see Manchester that's a successful season. Um, by you know last season standards, but a lot of work still needs to be done. I think, I I think right now, depending on what the kind, I I just feel that if things go the way I think they will go, I think United will be back challenging for fourth again. They're not going to be pushing for the title. They're going to be back challenging for fourth if things go the way I think they will. But hopefully, hopefully I'll be proved wrong, and hopefully they'll make the signings to actually push them forward. But anyway, smash like for this video. Do share your thoughts, of course, on Manchester United season. I just been a while since on these long videos, so I really enjoyed it. But uh, do share your thoughts, of course, um, and I would love to hear from you as to what what could what you know what what Manchester United could could do differently, what their season has looked like. Always happy to hear your thoughts. Um, thank you so much for watching, and do subscribe to our channel, on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, of course, and we'll see you again soon. Bye bye.